This is the Whole Home Podcast. I'm Laura, and I'm here with my wonderful guest, Angel George. Hi, Angel. Hi. Angel, I have looked forward to this podcast very much. I appreciate that every time I talk to you, you are gentle, you're interested, you're warm, and you're thoughtful. I appreciate that you are intentional about what you say and do and that you display self-control. I appreciate seeing your unity with your husband. One can always find you serving somewhere and aiming to do so in a way that honors the Lord. I greatly admire the pivot that you and your husband made many years ago, not shrinking back and planting down new roots in Richmond, but rather trusting God for a total overhaul in so many ways. And I am thankful for the wisdom you bring to the table this morning. And I believe all your sisters listening in are too. So with that, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And before we get started, this terrible question, do you remember how we met? Oh, goodness. I was actually thinking about this. Um, I know it was downtown, Remnant. Yeah. Oh, I man. I don't remember um, anything other than that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking it might have been some kind of gathering at the Lachlan's house. Did we meet mm. bef- right before that you planned to move to Richmond? Maybe. I don't remember Probably. that, though. Okay. Well, I do remember they had frequent dinners at their home. Mm-hmm. And at some point, whatever year that was, you you guys were going to move to Richmond. And were, right away, was the plan for you to purchase their home? Or did that come later? No, that came later. Okay. Um, did you want me to get into that a little or bit? Just or just a snippet. Okay, sure. yeah. Yeah, it was um, 2014 was when we moved to Richmond. Okay. Um, and we came in and settled on Strawberry Street um, okay. just to see where we wanted to settle. And then it came available. So. Okay. And then we were neighbors yes. for a while in yes. Carytown. All right. And then I remember lots of fun in your back patio, which used to be the Lachlan's. And you had right. tons of barbecues. And both of you and I had shared a similar house footprint like we had tiny houses that always had lots of people in them yep. so we shared that in common filled to the brim yes filled <laughs> to the brim okay well let's just jump in and where did you grow up angel awesome um i grew up in lynchburg i was born in virginia beach norfolk area mm-hmm. um and then in third grade we moved to lynchburg and it was my my family and then my grandparents and then my uncle so we all uprooted from Virginia Beach area and then moved to Lynchburg together. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, we, we came to um, go to Thomas Road Baptist Church. Okay. So just all transplanted. Yeah. Just for anyone who's from Lynchburg, what neighborhood area were you in? Ooh, uh, let's see. Where did we start? It was the forest area. Okay. That means so, nothing to me. Yeah. It's like right <laughs> outside. So if anybody knows Liberty University, which mm-hmm. is like right off of 460, uh, you go just about maybe 10 more minutes and it's forest area there. Okay. So it's like between between Lynchburg and Roanoke. Okay. But definitely Lynchburg side. <laughs> so were you part of planting a church or nope. what, what drew you there? Uh, my grandparents said we were going to move and we did. <laughs> okay. Yes. So they just said, you're coming to, and you're coming to, yep. and you're the coming to? Yeah, the whole family. Okay. And then you stayed there for a long time? How many years? Yep, stayed there. Um, let's see, that was third grade, and I stayed there until after I got married. Okay. So do you guys go back to Lynchburg? Is your family still there? I have, my cousin is there, my uncle and aunt are there, 
grandparents have since moved to Florida, which they wanted us to move when they moved. <laughs> um, and That's yeah, fun. so we do go back. Yeah. Okay. So who was it just you and your household? Did you have siblings? Who did you have? So it was my mom, my dad, um, a younger brother and younger sister. So Angel's the oldest. How much yes. older were you? I so let's see my uh, three years older than my brother mm-hmm. and um, they are 18 months apart. So okay. <laughs> my sister was followed right after that. So and then your parents, what did they do? Um, my mom, she was a nurse at one point. It's actually interesting. I should probably go back for a second. Yeah, I was adopted. Okay. So my mom and dad could not, they had were told that they couldn't have kids. And so they fostered and they were fostering a little guy. And then um, my birth mother could not take care of me and my other six siblings. I was the youngest okay. of seven. Um, so she couldn't take care of us. And so um, CPS got involved and then they took us all out of the home. And then instead of going into like a uh, orphanage or what, not orphanage, but whatever you do, they called my mom that the lady who adopted me my mom Mm -hmm. they called her and said hey do you want this little girl you know we don't want to like put her anywhere else we'll just stick her with you if you're good with that and with her already having a little foster she just went ahead and decided okay so um stayed with them for a while and then I was 19 months old at that point okay and so she was a nurse at that time and then um my dad I don't even know what he did at that time um, so then over the course of uh, however long that took, they, I was able to be adopted and they adopted me. So at that time, it was just me. And then they ended up, by God's grace, um, mm-hmm. being able to have my brother. Mm-hmm. And then she had preeclampsia really bad, could not be a nurse anymore, and then ended up getting pregnant with my sister as well, against the advice of her doctors. But but yeah, so wow. um, so she was a nurse. I don't know what my dad did. And then, yeah, she had to stop doing nursing mm-hmm. at that point. So, Did they name you or where did your name come from? Yeah, no, they didn't name me. I was okay. actually, I was born Shirley Ann. Okay. Whoa, and, uh, here's yeah. the big scoop. Right? <laughs> and um, they gave me a choice okay. at a certain point. I don't even... They said that I had a nickname and it was Angel, mm-hmm. but they gave me a whole bunch of different options. Um, and I guess because I knew Angel, I picked Angel. So mm-hmm. I picked my own name. Wow. That's <laughs> and so people tease me all the time. They're like, are you an angel? I'm like, no, please don't do that to me. <laughs> it's too hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a story. I knew that, but I forgot it. And so that's why I appreciate this podcast because <laughs> yes. you can know things about people. And yes. And not remember it. Um, okay, so well, do you at least remember your personality when you were younger? Can you share that with yes. us? Yes, um, I learned the word facetious very early oh. on. <laughs> so I was, um, I was always causing issues. I was always getting into to trouble. I have a really funny story if you want me to tell you. I would love it. Okay. Yeah. So we're at a Chinese restaurant, and the way that I would be disciplined 
um, was to close my eyes. So whether I was at the back of the van or in a restaurant, Mm -hmm. I had to close my eyes. So I think they were just trying to settle me down and not be so ramped up. So um, I was closing my eyes and there was a gentleman that had unbuckled his pants at the Chinese restaurant because he had eaten too much (laughs) and he chose to stand up and forgot to buckle them back up so apparently his pants fell all the way down (laughs) to the floor and my mom immediately was like don't open your eyes don't open your eyes because she knew if I saw it I would just I there would be no getting me back so so yeah it was really funny that's a story that like keeps on in the family so yes (laughs) that will be told to the day I die, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> so are you sort of a jokester? You love to laugh. I I do. I've changed a little bit, mm-hmm. I think, um, just with life experience. And I, I need to get back to that. I, that's something the Lord's been working on, you mm-hmm. know, that, that joy-filled. I was silly, you know, silly, wanting to just um, cause everybody else to get in trouble, but in a good mm-hmm. way, you yeah. know, like just funny things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, then maybe that was good that God took that from you for a while, or if you're sort of like a provoker. Yes. I don't know if that's what you're trying to say. Yes. Okay. So I don't know if this is a personal question, but did you even know that you were adopted? Yes. Did they tell you? Yes. Very early on, they told me I was chosen um, and um, picked out of love. So that made me feel very... Um, special Mm. because I knew some of my friends that were adopted did not feel that way Mm -hmm. and had a really hard time being adopted but I always felt very special yeah yeah I did not know about my family though like any any of my biological family I just knew I was adopted and chosen out of love Mm -hmm. that's beautiful Mm -hmm. all right so your younger siblings would they say the same things about you or did you have a special relationship with them? Um, so my sister would, she has told me I wasn't a very good sister. Okay. Um, and my brother and I were in cohorts with one another. So I was the instigator mm-hmm. and he would follow along and we ribbed our sister very, very, very <laughs> badly. It's, it's oh, so no. sad because we have a wonderful relationship today. Mm-hmm. Um, like she's my best friend. So, and then my brother and I, I, I was the mediator. So they would fight a lot cause they were so close together, but I kind of came in and was like, guys, guys, stop fighting. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to make it make it better, yeah. even though I was the one, like, starting most of it. Yeah. So do you have a great difference in the way you look? I have a stepsister, and she is up to my shoulders, and we just look like night and day, and it's a lot of <laughs> yes. fun. Do you have something like that? Definitely. My sister is very tall, dark hair. I'm short and round. <laughs> <laughs> and my brother is very tall and dark. Um, he... Used to go to the Bahamas a lot and okay. would just fit right in. <laughs> so, yes, I, well, so much difference that when I was in high school, the guys thought my brother and I were dating because okay, I was driving yeah. and he's getting out of the car. So, yeah, that's <laughs> like, no. funny. So you told us one of your childhood memories. Do you have any other ones of Lynchburg? You said you, you were in that church a lot. Did you, yes. All the time? All the time. Yeah, so I feel like anytime the doors were open, we were there. It felt Mm -hmm. like it. We pretty much were. We would get there early, open the doors, um, wave, you know, welcome people. Mm -hmm. Um, It was was a little bit different than today. Uh, Well, it was a lot different 
just the reasons why we went and my heart just wasn't in it obviously I was young yeah. um I was like oh why do we have to go again you know I want to be asleep or whatever so I just didn't see the value of being there welcoming people so we were always there um Sundays Wednesdays Sunday night mm-hmm. we would come back we had youth events was it a big church? It was. I don't know how many people it was at the time I was going, though. It's gotten a lot bigger since I've not been there, um, but I'm not sure mm-hmm. how how big it was then. Was it connected in any way to the university, or did you not have a lot of university students there? At the time, I I think there were university students there, um, but and it was connected to it. Okay. But I don't. I guess being so young, I didn't really recognize the integration as much. Mm-hmm. You know, I just went to church, and at the time, it was at a different, um, it was at a different location. So, uh, but now it's actually right at the foot of the uh, university. Wow! So it's had longevity then. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. So, do you have like Sunday school memories? Mm. Any um, good? What are those flannel boards in your past? I don't know. <laughs> It was all the typical mm-hmm. flannel boards, um, puppets. It was definitely engaging for children going in all, you know, your sense, it's sensory overload, yeah. <laughs> really. But it was a fun time. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being there. I enjoyed being with my friends mm-hmm. primarily. I remember a lot of that. I remember in my high school years, our youth department was thriving. We had a lot of kids. I don't know how many kids, but um, we would meet together, worship, and then break up into into groups mm-hmm. and talk about whatever, which is interesting because I don't remember content okay. as much. Yeah. So I'm really curious about your grandparents still. They seem like they really had influence on your family. Mm-hmm. How did... How did that take shape? Do you think that your parents would have stayed there? Or is that something that your grandparents really wanted? Or was everyone on the same page? Hmm. If they had, if they felt like they had the choice, mm-hmm. they probably would have. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I think that's probably a hard one to answer. I feel like we are a, we're such a family unit that... Okay. It's almost like mob mentality in a good way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, we, we we have to do this. You know, everybody do. We encouraged each other to stay real close. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did for a long time. So I think, and we do, but even though we're location-wise not very close, we're very close uh, relationally. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I would like to think that they, I think they were of the si- same mindset at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was your church life separate i mean because now i think you know at remnant church the home is such a center of Mm -hmm. our faith was that similar in your upbringing or was it mostly like in the building it was definitely in the building i i would go into my so it's interesting because when i think back i think of my grandparents mostly like my mom she got really sick when i was let's see how old was i was I nine? I think I was I was nine when she first got sick with a brain tumor, or we found out she had a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we found out that, and then um, can you ask the question? Yeah. Again? Oh, I was just asking if your the the building was like the main space of your faith, or if that if your home played a part. Um, yes. In okay. That. Yeah. So when she like she got sick, um, and then my grandparents were all up in the mix with one another. 
And my dad, at a certain point, decided to leave our family. So my grandparents had been so integral in our lives that it just, you know, was what we did. Okay. So we just were always in the church. But yes, in my personal, for my personal um, relationship with the Lord, it was definitely in the church, in the building. And I didn't even take that seriously when it was in the building. I just didn't understand who God is Mm -hmm. or even like I knew I shouldn't do things. And I was hearing, don't do this, do this. But I didn't understand the relationship piece, Mm -hmm. even though I was told early on that I had accepted Christ as my savior. I didn't I did not live that out at all. So, mm-hmm. but my grandparents, I did. I remember where I was going. I um, lived with my grandparents. Okay. Um, so when I think back, I think of my grandparents primarily. Yeah. So my mom was really sick, and then my dad had left early. Um, so I was, I think, twelve when he left. So the main parts that I remember are my grandparents. So when I walked into my grandfather's room, he would be reading the Bible, um, but I didn't see it as integrated I guess Mm -hmm. um, in life like we one time we had a um, thunderstorm and lightning hit our house several times Mm -hmm. so we sat together and prayed Um, but other than that we prayed for meals and I don't remember any other time that we sat down and had a focused time of worship together in any way Mm -hmm. outside of you know being in church and I feel like there was a lot of um they were just trying to take care of us and raise us well. And for them, they felt like they were doing the right thing by having us in a Christian school, having us in a thriving you know, uh, youth department. So, yeah. And we did do things with people in the church. I was part of a, like in our youth department, they had like a program where we would go to the inner city and do different discipleship shows like okay. I was on the gymnastics team okay. so we did things like that but never there wasn't a lot of people inside our home just hanging out it was just mainly yeah. us yeah okay so just back to a picture of you when you were younger you just threw gymnastics in there yes, I'm did. thinking even like <laughs> what did you want to be when you grew up what were your interests as a kid yeah. what would we find you doing okay yes um i definitely wanted to be either a pediatrician or a vet i would take butterflies that had their wing messed up and i i remember one in particular time i found a butterfly and i made a little shoebox house for it mm. and put like That's grass sweet. in there I'm like i probably killed it yeah. but i was trying <laughs> um i i love nature love just I could sit outside and stare at birds and worms. And since I was, a kid? Yes, since a kid, a kid yes. Okay. Loved um, all kinds of bugs, was not scared of them. Um, I would, like, if, if there was a bug in the house, everybody was calling, Angel, Angel, come get the bug. <laughs> so I would, I would promptly either squash it or mm-hmm. take it outside. I wasn't, like, so... So in love with them that I was like, oh, they can't die. Yeah. But yeah, I was I was always interested in um, nature or um, love children, just Mm. love children. And I love to help. And my mom was a nurse. So I think my love of helping others medically, that was something that was kind of deep for me. Mm -hmm. And then I actually studied pre uh, pre pre-med. Okay. 
in college and realized, I don't think it's for me. I think it was because my mom was a nurse and I really wanted to kind of, you know, take after her. But I, mm-hmm. I've always had a love of helping. Um, so I think that's where that came from. Just yeah. trying to figure it out where where to land. Did she have a strong impact on your life or influence on you? She did, even though I feel like I didn't appreciate it. Um, I was very young and we were very similar. So we fought a lot. And looking back, I was like, oh, man, I really missed, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of that interaction that could have been so sweet. But, you know, it's I was young. I was immature. um, I didn't understand what I had. I remember her being sick a lot, though. Yeah. So she did teach me how to sew. Okay. So that was awesome. I made a little a little pillow and a pillowcase with her. But then she just got so sick and then she lost feeling in her fingers and just couldn't do a lot of things. So so that stopped. But yeah, that was the beginning yeah. foundation of my love of sewing and um, and caring for people, I guess. Yeah. What was her name? Clara. Clara. Beautiful. Yes. Um, OK. Let me see. Well, you said gymnastics. You, there's no way you learned that in the snap of your fingers. Yeah. So that must have started back. <laughs> well, it's funny because I don't remember taking any. I'm sure I took classes, but mm-hmm. I don't remember taking classes. But I just love flipping. And <laughs> <laughs> what's doing funny? All this stuff. What's funny about this is recently, your I heard your daughter won like a limbo contest. She so yes. something's being passed down. <laughs> yes, she is very very limbo. It, it's. It's hilarious. Yes. Um, she she actually took a lot of gymnastics and they asked her to be on the team, like a competition team. And okay. it was at that point where we were like, oh, do we want to go this way mm-hmm. or do we want to go this way as a family? So that yeah. was a tough decision. But yeah. So she's good at that. Yeah. Tough decision <laughs> for you or her? Uh, her. Her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were settled um, in knowing what you know, really family life was supposed to look like at that time and not wanting to be separated into like essentially going and two separate ways, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Mike would be with Charlotte doing something and then Kaylee and I would be, you know, traveling essentially Mm -hmm. to do things and we just didn't want to do that. Yeah. So. So hypothetically, could you have gone pretty far in gymnastics? Probably not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I was good at what I could do, but we did the same routines over and over again. Oh, okay. So I actually flipped the, the um, well, we, we I did backhand springs flips. Wow. And I, but I was always like somersaulting in our basement or whatever. So yeah. I think I just needed to get the energy out yeah. <laughs> mostly. But yeah, I, I did all the fun stuff. I love, I guess, going back. Any kind of activity sports-wise, I loved water sports, slaloming, skiing. So we had a lake house. um, So I was basically on the water the whole summer. Mm. So I guess it was just that kind of activity outlet. Yeah. So I'm not saying that this is the case, but did you have a point where you're like, I can't do this anymore? Of the gymnastics <laughs> uh-huh, piece? Or anything, yeah. Um, probably when they tried to flip me from the top and I fell on the ground. <laughs> I was like, maybe maybe I should try something else. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I just kept going, but still, I was like, mm. <laughs> Any, okay, you said a word that I didn't even understand. Swallow what? Swallowing? Oh, slaloming. Slaloming. It's one ski. Oh, yeah, I had so no you've got idea. yeah, you've got the two skis and then how I learned was I would be on the two skis and then uh-huh. I would just kick the other ski out. 
Nice. And then I would have the one because we were in a cove. Um, so it, there was like basically a dead end. Mm-hmm. And so we would just flip back around and hardly anybody went in there. So my skis just like floating. <laughs> so thankfully, nobody ran over it. Yeah. Now that as an adult, you know, mm-hmm. you think of things so differently. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think my grandfather was the one driving the boat too. He was always super willing to just get out there, gas up the boat, mm-hmm. go and do, you know, however long we wanted to be out there, he would be there. So that was really cool. I think Smith Mountain Lake was a high oh, point yeah. for me. Um, just being there. And we even got to a point where that was just a summer home. But then we got to a point where because my mom was so sick, we had to make a choice of like one home. So we, I I guess, chose that one. Mm -hmm. And we would travel into school 45 minutes to go to to go to the LCA. Okay. Yeah, that is honestly such a dream of mine to go on a boat. I don't know about slaloming. But (laughs) yeah, it's it's a lot of fun once you get it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, just if you have long hair, pull it back because mm-hmm. <laughs> there were hours of picking out knots of yeah. my hair because I did not want my hair up for yeah. whatever reason. I was I was fairly rebellious actually as a okay. child. I was I was just very stubborn. Yeah. So so something about like the gymnastics and then the water sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, you haven't. I guess you don't mind risk, do you? I feel like. Uh, or did you think about it that way? I feel like to me they're a little bit on the edge, kind of. They are sports. at the time. I just did it and I think I'm a little bit more risk averse today yeah (laughs) because I realize if I go down yeah I broke my toe a couple years ago and it displaced and I had to have surgery and it took me out a lot longer and I was like oh I really can't just walk around the counter Mm -hmm. (laughs) quickly I have to be a little bit more cautious so I may um instead of skiing I might actually tube oh. <laughs> or something but even tubing like can be yeah. very <laughs> floating yeah <laughs> you're a floater now yeah that's hilarious a little bit more <laughs> so with your mom being sick did that really shape like hanging out with friends was there a lot of things that you couldn't do yeah just in general my family was very um, cautious about me being over at anybody else's home for extended periods of time it was more like if somebody wanted to come over they could come over but I didn't do sleepovers. Um, And so I had one best friend that would come over. Um, We did not have people in and out a lot. When we were a little bit older, I I had my softball buddies over from time to time, but I'm more of, I'm better with one-on-one. I'm very, I'm very okay being by myself. Okay. That's my natural bend is like, just, just put me out on the water let me watch all of the ripples on the water. I don't want to move from here. Mm-hmm. I want to see all the birds flying in and out. I do not need to see another soul. <laughs> so would you separate even from your siblings at times and just kind of go off? Yes, by definitely. Yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And I would sit in the back of the van and they would sit in the front and I'm like, I'm okay back here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't need any interaction. Were you just more of a watcher or was your mind like racing? Mm. Um, I think think my mind was probably racing. Mm-hmm. I actually hadn't thought about that until you just asked that. I love watching people though, but I think my mind was probably going. Okay. So take me into like middle school or high school if you want to. <laughs> um, middle school, I remember. So my mom passed away the summer before my freshman year of high school. So I I remember like seventh grade just thinking 
you know, is is mom going to be okay? Just not really studious, just having having the worry of, you know, whether she was going to die or not. Yeah. So I don't remember much of middle school. High school was a hot mess. <laughs> I was trying to find acceptance. There was so much that was up in the air with her passing away and me just, you know, that's a that's a crazy time of life anyways. And of course, you have your studies that you need, you know, to do. And then I was um, doing softball and volleyball as well. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of immersed in the sports and I was not allowed to do anything outside of school. Um, so I couldn't go to the mall with friends, couldn't go to the movies. They were... I, I think they were really trying to protect me as much as they could. And they felt like they were trying to do the best that they could in this, you know, area and doing it this way. Mm-hmm. So that Can was I out hard. you, what decade was this? Uh, it was in the 90s. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it was 91 when was, yeah, it was 91 when she passed away. So, and I graduated in 94. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so it was a crazy four years of just trying to find myself and trying to find acceptance and a place to be be to belong Mm -hmm. and didn't do that well (laughs) so church really became a place that I could go and be with friends Mm -hmm. because I couldn't do that outside of sports you know or school Mm -hmm. so I couldn't just go hang with friends but I could at church so it very much was more social for me yeah and was that something where you continue to go like throughout the week and had a lot of Hangouts there, you said you were in the past year there, Wednesday night and or in the nights too. Was it? Yeah, we had Sunday school and we had classes that were split up, you know, so we, I had my friends then. And then um, we would all meet together, what we called big church. So okay. it was like worship time. So we had Sunday school and then we came together um, in the, the big church area mm-hmm. with family. And I had to sit with my family and I very much resented that. I did not did not want to do that. I wanted to be up in the balcony with all my friends. Mm-hmm. And then that was Sunday. And then Wednesdays we had, you know, a youth department Wednesday nights. So that was another opportunity to see my friends. And then, of course, I went to the Christian school that oh, okay. Thomas Road had. I so see. Okay. It was, it was a whole bunch of... What was Christian school like? Oh, my goodness. It was... Um, I had to wear dresses or skirts at that time and they had to be at the knee I remember that and Mm -hmm. being very angry about that Mm -hmm. and then of course my grandparents they required like hey you wear pantyhose and you curl your hair and you look nice for church you wear your Sunday best Mm -hmm. Um, so it was it was a whole ordeal which I did not love (laughs) at all at the time I did not appreciate any bit of that Um, and I'm I'm a girly girl, but I don't love getting dressed up. Mm-hmm. Like from a very early age, I just wanted to go play with the guys and go, you know, play football and be in the mud and be outside. And I did not want to be bothered by <laughs> getting all dressed up. So I just very much didn't love that. But I loved being with my friends. Okay. So. Here's a messed up question. Okay. If you were rebellious, then what were the little things you would do to kind of be like, eh, not going to? Mm. I'm wearing pantyhose, but I'm going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, I would drag my feet trying to get ready. 
So everybody's sitting in the car waiting mm-hmm. for me. And I'm like, I'm, I will get there when I get there. Mm-hmm. And of course, that angered everybody. And um, so I would do that. Yeah, that's that's one of the biggest things I remember. Um, I guess I just was very verbal about my disdain. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the biggest thing. I just was very vocal about it. Yeah. And with the same requirements on your brother and sister? Yes. Over, across the board, yes. Uh, but I don't remember... I don't remember my brother having to wear like a jacket, like a suit jacket and a tie. Mm-hmm. But at Liberty, when when I was there, I still had to wear skirts or dresses. Mm-hmm. And I believe the guys still had to wear ties at the time. So it was kind of the culture, even though I hated it. <laughs> so. so your grandparents were keeping you close to home. Were you allowed yes. to work? Did you want to work? I was allowed to work, but again, it was very curated, maybe. it. Mm. I ended up working after school at LCA, at the Early Learning Center. So I did that, um, and I taught twos and threes right in high oh, school. Cool. So that was um, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Loved kids, all the kids, and the crazy kids. And pay? Yes. Okay. I don't remember how much. It was I was say, what did you do with not your money? Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably, that's one good thing. I mean, my grandfather very much gave us whatever we needed and wanted. That was his love language. So there was a lot of whatever we needed, um, we had. We mm-hmm. did not go without in that way. And then after I did that, I worked at J. Crew. Okay. For a couple years into college and was, I ended up doing the customer service for a couple years there. And that was intense, mm-hmm. but it was a lot of fun. And mostly because I enjoyed, I could go there. Mm-hmm. Like I was allowed to go there yeah. and I could stay, you know, I could work overtime. So I was trying to get out of the house as yeah. much as possible, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, doing that and then. Um, Should I imagine a mall? It was not in the mall, J. Crew. Yeah. It was out, it was in a big warehouse. Okay. So it was in the middle of like, it was for, forest area. So it was like on its own. And um, I would work overtime and go in the plant area at Christmas time and mm-hmm. actually pack the boxes and pull the products off the shelf. And I just was having the best time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. How many years did you do that? I did that, I guess, three years. And then uh, Mike and I actually started dating within that time. And then I transitioned to work at, I worked at Papa John's okay. for a couple of years. <laughs> Um, making all the pizza and then delivering it. and That's so random. It was, he worked there. Oh, so that's okay. why it wasn't extremely <laughs> random in my mind. Um, yeah, so he got me the job and that was a lot of fun because yeah. I could stay up till 2 a.m. But at that time I was, I was out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was another thing that my grandfather always told people, my, my kids will never move out until they get married, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and they'd be looking at us like, right? Isn't that what you want to do? And we're like, yeah, that's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. That's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to get out and experience the world. And But in a way, it protected me from a lot of things. So yeah. now being, you know, at this season, really appreciating them trying to really love us well, mm-hmm. you know, and guide us well in the way that they knew at the time so yeah if you are okay sharing like your heart during this time was there a time when you get older and you start thinking more about things did you have sort of identity struggles or was that ever something that you had to contend with yeah very much so I I am naturally because I'm a helper Mm -hmm. it can go into a people pleasing and I very much live that out I had a really hard time finding my voice 
um, because I felt like it was disrespectful. I couldn't I couldn't do it. I felt like I couldn't do it well mm-hmm. in a respectful way. I just would blurt out things. So I very much was angry and frustrated that I couldn't experience things. And uh, my grandfather would, uh, if I needed gas in my car, he would say, hey, let's go up and let me pump your gas for you. He never taught me how to pump it. So I felt very bitter about that when I was on my own and realizing I don't know how to pump gas. So I think there's a balance that needs to be struck there. And that has helped us in our parenting and trying to realize I do want to do for my children. And that's a good thing to do for them, but it actually can impede their confidence in, you know, just doing normal things. Mm -hmm. I very much pushed back on that and Mm -hmm. was bitter about that and fell into, though, a people pleasing, head down, just do it. But I very much was frustrated to the point that later on when Mike and I started dating, they were very supportive. But then it got to a point where we got really serious. And I remember my grandmother saying that it wasn't, I was not allowed to date him, but I was almost 20. Mm. I was like 20 almost 21 years old at that point. So that was very tough for me um, because I did care about him very much. And so um, going back to that, uh, I guess, frustration and stuff, I I had to figure out how do I do this in a respectful manner? How do I find the voice that I do have? And how do I honor them the way that, you know, I'm I'm called to, Mm -hmm. but I just didn't have the relationship with the Lord at the time to really think through that at the time. But that's where I was working through yeah just (laughs) not in a very good way i guess you know i was i was like no i'm just gonna rebel against it and i'm just gonna do my thing and i don't want you to tell me what to do but okay but i love you very much and i don't want to hurt your feelings and upset you and of course you know them taking us in after mom passed away because our dad was gone at that point and uh seeing them you know really trying to do what was right by her mm-hmm. and try to care for us. I mean, they're, you know, older in age and taking three children on, you know. So sure. in a way, I had a lot of um, struggle with, you know, feeling like I owed them, you know, uh, a lot. I guess I just didn't know how to show that, you know, um, appreciation to them. Yeah. Graciously. <laughs> yeah. If you don't mind backtracking a little tiny bit just before we get into Mike and whatnot. Okay. <laughs> so you were still in the same church? Yes. Okay. And had was there any person that sort of changed maybe the course of what you thought about Jesus or maybe showed you, open up the scriptures to you in a new way? Or yeah. when did when did things start to change? Was it Mike or yeah, not at the time. Uh, nobody, nobody showed me. Um, and in fact, I there were a couple times that I would skip church and um, get back before you know church was over, mm. and nobody called me out on it. And it actually, it, that's kind of hard for me to share because it's not something I'm obviously proud of. Mm. But it was a. I didn't it was a season of me not understanding who God is and how much. He loved me and already accepted me. Mm-hmm. And I was going for the wrong reasons. And like looking back, I wish somebody would have called me out on it and said, Hey, are you okay? You know, yeah. I noticed you weren't here. It wasn't just one time, you know, it was enough that they should have, or I, I don't know what the deal was, but I don't know why they didn't reach out to me and, and 
take me aside and really ask how I was doing. And I, I needed that. I needed somebody to do that. So they did not. And then I kind of floundered for a long time. Mm, let's see, did college. And it was, yes, it, it was going to a church before we were at Remnant where I really, I was pregnant with Charlotte when we first started going there. And I guess the Lord, like, it's funny looking back, the Lord was just pressing my need for him. Okay. I thought it was like, hey, I just need to get into community. You know, like I need to get into the church. That's what you do. Um, but community to me was not what community is today, like what I know it as. Okay. It was very much like you need to go, you need to be around people. But we didn't talk about um we didn't talk about things that were that we were struggling with. Our family very much is uh, private. Mm-hmm. You don't ask anybody what they're going through, and you don't tell anybody what you're going through. So I very much had a, a hard time with that. Um, even people reaching out um, were discouraged. There was a, a time when my mom had passed away that somebody had reached out, a counselor, and they were discouraged by from doing that to us particularly. So mm-hmm. um, so I grew up like, you just don't tell anybody. So yeah, I didn't have anybody to speak into my life. And I think everybody kind of knew that about our family. So mm-hmm. I don't know if there was like, I don't, we don't want to step on toes or where, how do we even address this? So then when I started going to that church was when the Lord really started capturing my heart Mm -hmm. and really blowing up any of those, um, I guess, categories that I had or or thoughts that I had. This was what it's supposed to look like. This is what church is supposed to look like or why we do this. Mm -hmm. So he was just really, I guess he was whittling it away at the beginning, very much whittling. And then there was a moment of just like explosion and then re- um, reorienting everything so but that was definitely when I was after I was married did you feel like something's missing did you have that sense um I did but it I didn't I could not articulate it that way at the time I just I think my rebellious looking back I I see my rebellion as this is not the way it's supposed to be why are we so quiet why are we acting like this I felt almost like an imposter like why am I why do I feel this way? You know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't feel like I belong very much, mm-hmm. which is I don't know, that's a very sad <laughs> thing, but it just didn't feel like I fit in really. Mm-hmm. Even though we were up in the mix with one another family-wise and, you know, at church all the time, I just there was just yes, it there was definitely <laughs> something missing, but I did not recognize it at the time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. To rewind, you you graduated from college, and did you get married while you were in college, or after, or what? Was, um, what did you graduate with? Yeah. So, well, so I didn't graduate. I went to college. I became a nanny and decided not to finish. So I had like three classes left. I was oh, so close. <laughs> um, but I was like, oh my gosh, this is a great opportunity. Awesome family. Loved it. But I never went back. Um, so I do. There is a part of me that's like, oh man, I should pursue that. So yes, I. it was about, let's see, 98, Mike and I started dating. Well, can I just ask, what mm-hmm. were you planning on graduating with? So um, psychology. Okay. And then um, family and consumer sciences with a minor in uh, childhood develop early childhood development. Okay. So I had all of my psychology courses, had all of my they called it facts, my facts classes, except for like uh, there was philosophy I failed. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, uh, um, and 
if you know me, that makes perfect sense. And then also uh, there was like a textile class, which funny enough, like I do a lot of textiles now. Yeah. So I'm like, man, I really should have taken that class. Yeah. So that would have been very helpful. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. You and Mike back to Yes. Too. It was 98. We started dating and then we got married in 01. I'm sorry. We got married in 99. We had Charlotte in 01. Okay. Um, but yes, we, it was interesting. It was, uh, it was one of those things that, I don't know, he had and has such a strong personality. Like mm. you you don't have to wonder too much what he's thinking. Yeah. <laughs> he very much is, um, he's an open book. Mm-hmm. And I needed that. Uh, but I knew of him because I, so he loves to tell the story of, I cannot even do it justice. Okay. You'll have to ask him <laughs> okay. about the story about um, him and I. But basically, I was dating his roommate okay. and he was engaged. So I think that's kind of how he drops it in people's laps most mm. of the time and waits for their reaction. <laughs> and me, I'm like and embarrassed. And woman walked in the door. <laughs> yeah. no, I don't and know. I was so embarrassed when he says it because I'm like, it is not anything like that. But it's just very funny. So, but it is true that like that's how it was. But he, we, we both broke up with our significant others at a certain point just because it wasn't working out with them and with no thought of each other. And then we came back from break. That was during break. And then we came back from break and he said, hey, can I have a hug? And I said, you know, would your significant other appreciate that? And he's like, oh, did you not hear? We broke up. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, by all means, because I knew I had broken (laughs) up with with his uh, roommate. So and then, yeah, then we went out the next day and went to Waffle House. Cute. In between um, uh, between classes. So that was it was awesome. And we actually took the girls back to mm. the same spots, Aww. sat in the same same booth and played, um, I think it was on the dock of the bay, oh, I think yeah. is the, uh, they have a jukebox in there. So yeah, so we were feeling quite nostalgic and the girls are like, oh, rolling their <laughs> eyes. <laughs> like, do we have to do this? We're like, yes, yes, you do. So yeah, so we, um, I did not love the Lord at the time, and I was still trying to figure out somebody who would love me well, but didn't know what that looked like, and I didn't know how to love well, mm-hmm. and so we were trying to figure that out, And but we loved each other very much, um, but he was very strong-minded, still is very strong-minded, and I was very mousy, yeah. and so that was not a good combination at the time, and it never is, really. Yeah. We... Um, dated for a while and then my grandparents actually said hey you're not going to be dating each other anymore after we really started getting serious and then I actually broke up with him at the time and uh, because I was trying to respect them and I Mm -hmm. was living in their home and felt like that was the right thing to do and uh, it was so tough and I remember him uh, coming he came down the driveway trying to figure out what was going on and my uncle was trying to protect me and there was a whole thing and Mm. Mike said I just didn't know what to do and I turned around and went back home and I was so lost and so confused but then over the course of a uh, I guess it was about a month I just I could not shake you know the the feeling like I really miss him and I want to be with him and so he would come up during my lunchtime at J. Crew, and we would just chat and talk. And then I finally went back home and told my grandparents, hey, we're going to date. And I actually, it was, let's see, I can back up just a little bit. 
it was uh, the summer before one of my college year semesters. And when that happened, there was a room available. A professor at Liberty offered it. Um, she had two houses. Her and her husband had two homes uh, that they offered for one for the boys and one for females. And so there was one spot left for the female house. Mm. And I called her up and I remember sitting at dinner with Mike and going, okay, I'm going to go home and tell my grandparents that I'm moving out. And that was scary. And uh, I just felt like I was letting them down. And there was a lot of turmoil within myself. Like, what does this look like? How to be respectful to them after all they had done for me. So it was a lot of things going on, but I knew what I needed to do. And most of my feeling on that was um, at the time was that I needed to get out there and do things for my own self and I respected them enough and I needed to do this outside of their home to respect them I needed to like not be in their home anymore do it making those choices so that that was tough though because I didn't know what that looked like but I knew I needed to do it so I did and moved out and then tried to figure out the big wide world Mm -hmm. by myself but my grandfather, at the time, I really, it angered me. He said, well, if you ever need to come back, you can come back. And I was like, I'm not coming back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I got this. I don't need you. Which was, you know, I didn't say that to him, but I was like, okay. And then just walked away. And for a couple weeks, I, I let them know where I was, called them, gave them my phone number, but then I didn't communicate with them at all. Mm. It was a couple weeks, which was hard, but I needed that. I, I felt like I needed that at the time, that yeah. I just needed to break away, do my own thing. So Mike was in the picture at that time. And of course, they were like, it's Mike. Mike's, you know, the one that's doing this, which, of course, you know, in God's providence, like I see his hand and all of it and also like giving me that that encouragement, but not telling me what I had to do, mm-hmm. which was for me, very appealing because I had been told what to do for so long and I was failing at that left and right. I'm like, "Ah, I don't know how to do this. And then of course, you know, God to me was like, hey, he's telling me what to do, but I don't, I don't know why. Like, you know, I didn't understand the relationship piece. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I know what I should do and I'm failing here. So what does this look like? So it was very, very difficult. But then I was at that, you know, that part where I could really start kind of piecing the puzzle together Mm -hmm. a little bit for myself, Um, still not knowing who, you know, who Jesus is and what he wanted or who he was to me, you know, at the time. And then, yeah, so that's Mike. Mike was very integral in helping me. I had a voice. I just didn't know how to use it and still wasn't using it respectfully or giving my grandparents um, the honor that they deserved I guess in a little bit of that I was just like I'm gonna go do my own thing Mm -hmm. you know so but the Lord used it for good so I have a relationship with my father now Um, it's a little bit strained just from the years of not being together and growing up together Um, and then also I um, have a beautiful relationship with my grandmother my grandfather just passed away a couple years ago Mm -hmm. but we reconciled all things and it's just by God's grace has it just it's beautiful you know just to see all the turmoil and trying to figure it out and the rebellion and then you know knowing that the Lord had his hand in it at every step and he never took it off yeah Thanks for sharing those last two things. It makes me want to ask you about them, but we can't. (laughs) 
I would love to hear about that reconciliation. I did want to ask you, you went and made pizzas with Mike. Yes. <laughs> and then somehow you got married. Yes. And then it sounds like you moved. When was his heart? Because you moved and you picked a church. So mm-hmm. his, he must have had some kind of spiritual leadership or pull harder than you had at the time. Am I saying that right or no? Well, <laughs> well, I actually, I was the one, and he'll tell you this. He tells everybody, I was the one that was more spiritual at the time, which was not the case. <laughs> I just wanted to be like in community. With him. I'm like, I just need people. And I know we need to be in church. So okay. this is what we need to do. And he's like, do we really need to? But he grew up in church as well. Oh, okay. So we yeah. both like grew up being in church all the time. So I guess the foundation was there. And, you know, they were raising us as much as they, you know, knew how mm-hmm. um, to love the Lord. But it was just lacking in a lot of ways. And then, of course, my heart wasn't there. So, yes, I he says that I was the one that was more spiritual. And we would go to church at the beginning. We, we went to worship and we wouldn't go to Sunday school. And then once I had Charlotte, because, again, I was... Uh, I was heavily pregnant with her when we started going. So then once we had her, I was like, uh, I need I need like some adult interaction. Can we go to Sunday school so mm-hmm. I can actually communicate with adults? And so we did that. And Mike's like, okay, fine. So we went and his whole world changed okay. in that. And what, what Sunday school class was it? Um, it was Patrick Pettit's Sunday school class. Um, him and his wife did a class, and I don't even know if there was a topic driven. Like a lot of our Sunday school classes were more like the women or the you know ten you know like age range or sure. whatever it was. So I don't remember exactly, but I do remember there were other married people in there. So I don't know if it had to do with that. Um, but what for whatever reason him and Patrick really had this wonderful relationship and they were two businessmen and that really appealed to Mike and so he could talk business with him and Patrick really took him under his wing and then Joe Mays um, is a pastor there at the at the church and he really started discipling Mike and taking him um, just to lunch and would have him, you know, actually Joe Mays lived in our basement for a while Hmm. when his family was moving to um, we were in Colonial Heights at the time. Okay. So when when he moved, or right before he moved, he had to move up before his family. So he lived in the basement. Um, mm-hmm. And so I guess it just started from there and uh, a wonderful Sounds relationship. Sounds like God's design. <laughs> oh my goodness, it was, it's perfect. Looking back, it's yeah. it, it just amazes me over and over again. God is so faithful in our unfaithfulness and through all of it, you know, he's working. You don't mm-hmm. recognize it some seasons, but he is always at work. Mm-hmm. And it's such a beautiful thing when you can look back and see it. And I am I have been asking him to reveal that a lot more to me, you know, to see where his hand has been. And sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes mm-hmm. he's not, you know, free with what he's doing. But sometimes you do get to see that glimpse and you're like, oh, my goodness, what? It's so amazing the power that he has to just take one thing that is so broken and make it so beautiful for his honor and his glory mm-hmm. and for our flourishing, you know. So, so- but it takes obedience. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who thinks a lot, yes. would you sort of listen in and just think, 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 think? Or do you think God was like just slowly pressing you and changing you in a slower way? Or Yeah, it was definitely a slower, slower burn. I know I was dissatisfied with how I was raised, how I, you know, I I felt like this isn't the right way, you Mm -hmm. know, but the Lord really has been faithful to show me 
the like he uses it all and he gives us what we need for mm-hmm. the moment and people do the best they they can mm-hmm. and and he redeems all of it mm-hmm. so yeah all right so is there any significant turning point in your life that you could share that maybe you had a heavy pivot or yeah i def so i think a couple things when i moved out that was huge because for the first time like I was, I was able to articulate to my grandparents, like I may, I may make a horrible decision, but at least it's my decision, which is not not a great thing because that could be very, very horrible. But at the time, I felt like I needed to make this for myself. Nobody else tells me what to do. I need to make this choice for myself, so I can fall flat on my face and I'll be fine. That's what, what my mentality was at the time. So that was huge. That was a turning point for me, like getting out on my own, doing my laundry for the very first time ever you know putting gas in my car for the first time really no I didn't need to call into anyone and tell them where I was or anything and then also when when I found out I was pregnant with Charlotte I really wanted to reconcile with my dad for whatever reason so that was huge and a big turning point and I realized like uh, I needed to I needed to forgive him and I had not done that fully yet. And so the Lord was just pressing my heart in that to to really have that relationship and reconcile with him, whatever that looked like. I had no expectations you other said, than- you saying you cold called? I literally called. I found yeah, him. Okay. I don't even know how I found him, but I found wow. out where he was and I called him. I don't even remember the conversation, but I do remember going to dinner with him at one point and he apologized for leaving. And he's like, I should have just taken my kids and my wife and gone. And so he still felt the the press of needing to conform in certain areas. And so I felt like, oh, you get me, you know, type yeah. thing. I, I understand why he felt the way that he did, even mm-hmm. though, you know, he chose to make decisions that really impacted, you know, for future generations, but in a good way as well. It's mm-hmm. really, the Lord has really used it for good. You know, it helps me understand what does it look like and what does it look like to kind of press into the Lord and not our own strength. So yes, that was pivotal as well. And then also I think right before we moved to Richmond was a huge um, time of the Lord really, that's when it really started to explode for me because it was a slow burn. And then all of a sudden it just caught fire. And I was like, oh, this like, I'm discontent. This Mm -hmm. is not the way, you know, this is not the way it should be. This is not the way it should be. And he was just really working on my heart. So that like right before there, I was like, okay, this is starting and I don't like this, but then what does this look like? So that, that was another huge pivotal point. And then when we moved to Richmond, that was huge. It was a new church, new city, new schooling setup because we decided we were going to homeschool for the first time. So it was, it was a whole bunch of crazy, uh, but it was awesome. Yeah, I Ryan even reminded me of this. He said, Laura, when they moved to Richmond, they didn't just do it with like, not I'm saying that you didn't do it with ease, but there you had a whole set of challenges that you and Mike sort of just faced head on. Yeah. Kind of like I said at the beginning, and you were willing to do that. So what was that greater pull for you guys that you're like, okay, we're, we're, we're willing to climb this mountain for what? What was that that goal or that hope that you guys were coming to Richmond for? Yeah, at that point, the Lord had really um, started to unravel what we thought church was supposed to be about, who God is, what Jesus has done. All of that started to kind of take shape for us. And particularly for me, I think, 
maybe Mike was there a little bit before me, but for me, I was still like in that, I'm dissatisfied here and I'm very angry at certain things. So yeah, I actually, um, Remnant was planted from our old church. Mm -hmm. And so when they planted out, we obviously knew all about it. And, but, you know, had no draw to go to Remnant. And then over the course of time, I guess um, some of the guys had been talking to Mike and really like Mike had been reaching out and really trying to wrestle with some of this stuff. And he was a pastor there actually, Mm -hmm. and was uh, just doing whatever needed to be done there. And so the Lord was just capturing our heart there. And then we really wanted the girls to understand what it looked like. I still didn't know when we moved to Richmond, I did not know what the Lord had for us. So like I knew we needed to go. It was that 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 feeling that it was not going away. There was just this pressing mm-hmm. that I'm like, okay. And then Mike said, I feel like we need to go to Remnant and be part of Remnant and be part of what they're doing in the city. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, well, let's do this. So it was, all right, we're, we're literally, it wasn't just going to Remnant, but it was, if we're going to be in Richmond, we need to be part of Richmond. We need to be like in there and how do we know what the Lord wants to do in Richmond if we're not so centered there? Mm-hmm. I felt like there was a little disconnect because we started going to Remnant before uh, we even came up to Richmond. So, you know, we were traveling, but Mike and I came on date nights to Richmond all the time. So we had a love for Richmond before we yeah. even came, you know, to live here. So that was pretty cool to see that, that he, you know, kind of coordinated that like love for Richmond before mm-hmm. we even got here. But then coming here, yeah, it was like, we want something we want something different. And we know this isn't the way it's supposed to be, but there's still good here. So like, what does this look like? And there was a long period of time where we're like, ah, do we stay? Do we don't? Do we not? And then the Lord just clearly told us, no, nope, this is it. Because we had our plan because he was a pastor. You have to like go before, you know, the people and have your resignation letter and all that when you're moving on. And so he had his plan with the like committee of this is when it's going to be. And then it was clear something had happened. And he's like, nope, that we and the Lord just it was so clear for us. And so he like told who he needed to tell. And then we were we were out and we were and at <laughs> remnant. So it was crazy um, to see how you have your plans. Yeah. The Lord very clearly like establishes those steps and like gets you to where you need to go. Yeah. And however way he is coordinating it, it's, it's very, very cool to see and very hard though too to step to that a lot because you want to be obedient, but the obedience doesn't feel good in a lot of seasons mm-hmm. and it feels very counterproductive, um, but it's never counterproductive when you're being obedient to him. Yeah. I actually did want to ask you, was there something when you thought you were going one way and God said, no, we're doing this instead. So it's kind of similar to what. It's been a lot of that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like still to this day, it's like a fight of, you know, it's like when you, you're supposed to lay down, you know, like pick up your cross, uh, lay down, you know, whatever your preconceived notions of what this is supposed to look like um, because he just reorients everything Mm -hmm. moment by moment. You know, I'm starting to like drift or I'm starting to or wanting to do certain things. And he's like, no, this is this is where you go. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, but that's not that that's not right. I need to go this way. And he's like, oh, no, it's right. Come this way. And so often I'll start heading down the wrong path. 
and then I'm overwhelmed or I feel anxious. I have a lot of anxiety in my past and he has healed me from that, but I still feel it. It's mm-hmm. still there, but I recognize it because my prayers have been very specific about help me recognize it. And then I stop and I feel that and I'm like, okay, what, what am I doing? Um, and why am I feeling this way? And a lot of times it's because I'm being disobedient yeah. and I need to step to him. And then once I start going, okay, all right, I yield. <laughs> then he's like, all right, now we can work. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you're saying you, you sense yourself sometimes wandering this direction, would that be more of an internal or, and maybe your outward seems to be doing what God wants to do? Or are, is the wondering, are you saying it's like just what you're doing wholesale is sort of like your out, your external as well, or is it like you, your reflect? Does that my question make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does make sense, and I would say it depends on any given day. Like, okay, you know, yeah. it it can be both for me. I can I can have that internal struggle most of the time, especially now. Like two days sitting here, mm-hmm. it's an internal struggle of, but I don't want to. But I'm I'm much quicker to step to the obedience. Mm-hmm. Now I just need to like obey joyfully because yeah. <laughs> I can obey going, I know this is the right thing, but I don't want to do it. Yep. Um, but over and over again, he's showing me like there's a joyful obedience and it is beautiful. And mm-hmm. that's where he gets the most glory instead of me like scowling in the corner going, I'm just doing this, you know, you know, mothering young kids is very difficult. Mothering <laughs> teens and a young adult and now an adult like I have a literal adult in my house it's very difficult and you have to step certain ways for his good for our flourishing and not just my own flourishing Mm -hmm. but for my family's flourishing Mm -hmm. so I would say most of the time right now it's an internal struggle I have really been prayerful about me him revealing to me before I step yeah. in a disobedient way. And he has been very faithful to reveal it to me. Sometimes I still step to the disobedience, yeah. but more often than not, it is a quick rebuke, you know, for, in my instance, it feels like anxiousness and an overwhelmed feeling, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, we'll get into that next okay. episode. Last question, unless there is something, of course, that you want to add, which you always can. But my last question for this episode is, there's a song on the radio called Dear Younger Me. Okay. Have you heard it? No. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I actually, I never knew that the singer was saying Dear Younger Me. Mm. Maybe he sort of slurs his words. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it was Didionomy. <laughs> <laughs> my family and I love to joke about that. We're like, oh, yes, Didionomy's on again. Funny. Anyway, turns out he's singing Dear Younger Me okay. and writing a letter to his younger mm. self. And anyways, if you could write a letter, Angel, to mm. your younger self, what would you say? Mm. Obedience is worth it. It's hard, but it's good. Trust. I think that's the biggest thing for me is just trust. Trust and obey. There's mm. no other way yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be happy in Jesus or whatever this song is, mm-hmm. but to trust and obey. That's mm-hmm. wholeheartedly. Um, but also knowing that the Lord doesn't give you all of the details until he wants you to have the detail, the next one and the next one. So it's okay to not know what's happening because mm-hmm. I'm a planner. And I plan for the worst case scenario, and if it never happens, then it's fine. But I feel like I need to have all the plans down. Mm-hmm. But just letting him lead and guide and yielding to that. Yeah. So trust and obey would be the biggest thing. Yeah. <laughs> like if I could just pin it in those words, you know. 
So are you trying to say that life with Jesus is one of walking where you get one step at a time? Yes. And then he shines the light sure, <laughs> on <yes>. your steps? <laughs> yes, for sure. And sometimes he does uh-huh. give you the larger picture. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I'm learning that um, like my, my overall purpose is to bring him glory and honor and to enjoy him forever. And in order to enjoy him forever, I have to, I have to like be joyfully obedient. So what does that look like? You know, mm-hmm. so. Actually, I did want to ask you one okay. more thing, if you're willing to share it, just being from the position of someone who was adopted, do you have anything to share with anyone in our church family that may also be adopted? Just any insight that you've had over the years that God has shown you about what that means? Mm. Yeah, well, first and foremost, being a child of the King we're already accepted. We're already loved. I know that there's so many different facets to people's lives. Either like I had a good experience, but I know that some of my friends did not. They were not loved well in their adoption. They were, it was hidden from them. Um, there's a lot of anger or animosity or bitterness, but understanding like we are part of a a family that is not shaken that the father that we have is such a good and perfect father that even if you never had or never knew your father um, or maybe didn't have a father that you felt um, was encouraging or uplifting or a good guide for you that it is he there is no void that he can't fill there has been multiple times without you know through my life um knowing that i've been adopted knowing that i am so loved so chosen um but ultimately here on earth like there's no comparison to being loved and chosen and accepted by god the father yeah thank you angel welcome all right so before we close your first episode, if you don't mind sharing, where have you witnessed or experienced Christ-like virtue from a woman in our church? Where have you felt, this is surely Jesus and my sister? And then can you esteem Jesus in her this morning and pray a prayer of blessing for her? Sure. So there's two ladies in particular that really stand out to me. I had a really hard time because mm-hmm. there are so many ladies that have poured into my life, particularly in the last couple of years, that I have just been so... Uh, you know, that like cup runneth over, like yeah. first and foremost from Jesus, but then um, just having the community of, of wonderfully faithful women. But in particular, uh, Gabby Lazoya has just been such a uh, faithful and steady presence in my life. Seeing her just navigate through life and some of her successes and her struggles and really just being that faithful, steady presence. Uh, she's welcoming. Um, she's accepting. She uh, desires and seeks to honor the Lord in everything. So she has just been a blessing to me. And then my daughter, Charlotte, she is an adult. Um, so she is in this category. But what a huge blessing she has been to my life. And she is desiring to honor the Lord in all things. And it has been, you know, she's been working through some tough things. And it has been such an encouragement to me and like I say very often I wish I had Jesus like she has now like her desire to see him honored in all things is like super super encouraging to me so just wanted to honor them today 
Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Gabby and for Charlotte. I thank you for loving them well. I thank you that they know you, Lord. I thank you that they don't just say it with their mouth, but their life is such a reflection of your goodness, of your faithfulness. Lord, I thank you for Gabby in particular um, right now. I thank you for her welcoming presence. She is always willing to um, have people over and just sit with them and rest with them and tell of your goodness. And I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you will be with her as she is working through her life with her husband and her children. I pray that you will bless them. I pray that you will um, just continue to guide them. And I know that you will. And I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you will be with Charlotte, and I thank you for her. I thank you for the light that she is in my life, the joy that she is to me. I thank you that you have captured her heart at such an early age and that you you are pressing her in ways that um, seek to honor and glorify you. And she is on such a beautiful journey of loving you well. So I pray that you will just continue to encourage her in the faith, to um, embolden her, to help her to know that um, obedience is is where rest and is found and your desires be her desires more and more and i thank you for um, just encouraging me with the ladies of our local church Um, so many ladies have poured into my life and i just thank you for them and i um, ask all this in your name amen thank you for listening to the whole home podcast a podcast that displays the unity of sisters in the local church and the way God so wonderfully gives us to each other in our uniqueness and in our sameness for His glory. The stories we share weave together as one grand testimony to the work of Christ and His faithful presence in the garden of our lives. Remember, the Master Gardener is always at work, so let's yield to Him and grow where we're planted.